and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 532. That's right. Uh, return back to one of our uh, series that, what, Jim Jim uh, prompted us to start this whole thing, right? I mean, that uh, is, yeah, that is correct. Our cover to cover offshoot imprint. It was originally Jim's, Jim's concept that we kind of like modified slightly for uh, our own needs. But yes. This is this in a way, this is Jim's baby, <laughs> just like Mosaic Comics, <laughs> just in a different way. So how do we want to how do we want to cover it tonight? What do we want to start with? Or where do we want to start, rather? You, do you mean who do we want to start with? Yeah. Who do we want to start with? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming we're going five to one. Yes, we're going so. five to one. I can go five first. Why don't you tell everybody exactly the error that we're. That we're doing picking covers oh, yeah. this time. This, that's right. This is your idea. Uh, we wanted to do Green Lantern Volume Three, but before the Kyle era. So basically, from the 1990 issue one all the way until the end of Emerald Twilight, basically. And we're when we talk eras, we're talking the eras of the comic, not just this specific series. But anything Green Lantern cover related that took place during said era. So this is essentially mid-1990 through 1994-ish. That's right. Yeah, isn't like isn't based on the link that you gave me to just to, and I already had my covers, but this was this I was beneficial, by the way. I think it was something like June June 90 through like April 94 or something along those lines. Just generally speaking, I think that's that's the at the very least, if that's not 100 percent accurate, that is the rough time frame we're talking about, which then leads into the Kyle era that we did in, in our first episode as one of our lists anyway. So it would probably be beneficial to go into your number five since your number five starts the era, if I remember right. Yes, my number five. Click on my right link here. My number five, and I, and I have a tendency to do this because I think usually the the number one issues tend to be relevant. Uh, now it's always and plus the odds are they're not going to purposely put out a really subpar cover as as a number one issue because you and because you want to draw people into a number one issue in, in as many ways as possible not just that it's number one but but so i'm picking yes i'm picking green lantern volume three number one from june 1990 and the cover artists are pat broderick mark nelson anthony tolan and bob bubbler rose it's not that this cover is fan is is particularly action-packed since it just has you know it has hal in the center which is appropriate because that's what this volume certainly the first part of it is known for that it's mostly a how book but it also features john and it also features good old bowl cut guy gardner 
And it that's that's kind of for it's foreshadowing what this book really is, because while Hal's the star, every one of these lanterns is also in the book. And in fact, uh, Guy actually gets quite a few appearances and arcs in this book, at least for like the first 25 issues or so. And then, you know, John has his arcs like also like in the John, I mean, some of the, some of these arcs are all together, clearly in these books. But John, you know, but uh, pretty much from like the mid 30s going forward, that's when uh, it really becomes a house centric book till it ends. But this does kind of paint the picture of literally of what this book is going to be about with Hal, Guy and John being the main focus of this new Green Lantern title. So, yeah, at least for the next what? Yes. Yeah, half dozen ish or dozen issues or so, right? Because it goes into the guy in his Nort. I'm trying to figure out how far it goes before it just becomes mostly Hal for a while. Yeah, because in in, in another issue which didn't make the cut, you have issue 25 when Hal and Guy pretty much fight for the right to be Green Lantern of Earth, in which Hal wins. Hal wins. Guy loses his ring, which of course sets its stage for him getting the Sinestro ring that he has when he begins the Guy Gardner book. But I would say, yeah, probably almost. The first 25 issues are pretty much uh, just a collective with Hal still being the, the lead, but all the other lanterns are pretty much in it. But once you get once you got kind of get into the third law storyline going forward, it pretty much is just a Hal book until the end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The uh, it's a good cover. Um, my my problem with it is I like Pat Broderick and I think Pat Broderick, especially in this era. Uh, which let's face it, I think this is the era in which he was at its heights. We not only have Green Lantern, we've got the some of the Firestorm stuff that went on, but we also have Ragman um, uh, Volume Two, like the first um, the first return of Ragman since his debut in the in the 70s. Um, so Pat Broderick is just everywhere at DC at this point, and it's it's not hard to miss his art because it's very uh, it's very easy to recognize. The problem I have with this cover is some is kind of anatomy and also posing, especially with with John a little bit with Guy, but just his his him flying like that with his arms stiff and even his fingers straight out. Uh, Hal's kind of doing it too as well, um, and then kind of the whole weird um, you know early Superman live action pose that uh, Guy Gardner is doing with both both fists out like. Look, human beings can't fly, so it's not like we have reference for this and what looks natural and what doesn't. But this just looks stiff and weird to me in some ways. This this is just me giving nitpicks. I'm not necessarily saying this is what causes me to hate this cover or anything. I just there's something off about this, especially Hal's dimensions and the way he's kind of facing the reader the way his chest and lower ribs, maybe stomach, how wide that looks. It's just a little something about that perspective there is off. Um, and, you know, this is actually one of the covers I considered, of course, because and if you're looking if you're looking in this era, you kind of have and you will see this earlier with one of my choices. You kind of you kind of really pay close attention to this first, like, you know, seven issues or so of this series. <laughs> so, um yeah, this is this is it's great because we get to see all the lanterns. They're flying together. Uh, they're coming through, you know, a canyon. There's there's good detail on the canyon. There's a river down there. There's sky in the back. It's it's all great. It's just there's something off about the the anatomy here that causes me not to not to choose it. 
now that you point that out, it's kind of like an elephant in the, you know, it's kind of like, don't think about pink elephants that <laughs> now that I look at Hal's chest, his stomach and stuff and the way it connects to his thigh. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, that's something, honestly, I've never noticed before. Yeah. But I think, I mean, we know why it's supposed to be that way, because obviously his right leg is in the process of moving and it's moving upwards. And that's probably why you have that gap. But you're right. As as far as the poses go, well, in a way, it shows the different character, uh, their personalities, too. I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, Hal yeah. is, is flying them. I mean, Hal, and when you think about it, Hal is flying extremely confident because he doesn't he's because he's basically leaving himself the most vulnerable because he's leading with his head. And, you know, guys being the most aggressive because he's leading with his fists. And so I I kind of like the fact that they are all flying in different ways because it, it kind of denotes the, the difference in their personality. But but I also got this for sentimental reasons, because when I started to go back, which we'll touch upon as we do more of uh, the, the titles that I the covers that I picked, when I went back to start to start collecting this volume in retrospect after our after emerald twilight that this was one of the first issues that i got and so that's again so i have some sentimentality to it but i also think it i think it does set the tone for the book and i think so that's why i picked it no for sure it's definitely you know it's one of the ones i think of when you tell me like mentally speaking and when you said the hal era of volume three this is one of the you know dozen or so covers that immediately springs to mind when you think of that era so for sure all right So speaking of Guy Gardner, uh, leading into my fifth pick is going to be Justice League America number 63. This is a cover by Dan Jurgens and uh, Rich Burchett. Burkett, I'm not sure how we say that, but basically it is Guy standing uh, in front of uh, the league. His back is to the league um, and it's Booster uh, Blue Beetle, Fire Ice, and Bloodwind, and Superman all standing there and with shocked faces as Guy Gardner tells the readers, that's it, heroes, I quit. And uh, we also have a banner off to the side where we see the faces um, of some of the characters that will be featured in this book. I believe the redhead is Maxima, if I remember this era right. That would make sense. Yeah. A very so, Mar- very Marvel like cover by doing that. <laughs> very very Marvel like cover. Also very very kind of like a, a theme cover if you want to think about it because there was a whole kind of yes it was largely Marvel but DC did it too uh, especially DC did it in a couple of eras because there were some early Justice League issues from the seventies I want to say that had like uh, especially when they did the crossovers like Crisis on Earth X or whatever and you would see. You know, the the regular Justice League and then the go up against the Justice Society or the Freedom Fighters or or whatever they were facing in that particular multiversal crossover issue. They would do the faces along both sides or the entire border of the cover of the comic. Um, So it's a really it's a theme I love in comics. Kind of, you know, it's not the same as but there's a theme like. You know, some people collect all the checkerboard comics from DC back when they had that checkerboard banner across the top in like the 60s or so. Um, and this is kind of one of those themes that comics gets. And I actually like it here. I think it works very well. I think there look there and we'll talk about it just briefly because this is my only guy cover. And I don't think you have another guy cover yourself. So I'll just mention it here. Um, this era is is prone for guy gardner punch covers uh and by that i mean guy is either is either rearing to throw a punch throwing a punch 
or getting punched <laughs> on all of the covers. And I have literally in front of me, and I'm not going to go through each each you know name of the title and issue number or whatever. I literally have an image I made where I saved all the comics I found, comic covers I found that feature kind of that theme from the era we're talking about tonight. There are 14 Guy Gardner punching covers in this era alone. <laughs> uh, and that's not to say those are all of the Guy Gardner related covers from this era, but this, this is the most prominent theme of said era. Uh, and despite all of that, this is still my favorite guy cover of, of the ones we're talking about. Uh, of of the era we're talking about tonight because one it's dan jurgens um i think you know rich burchette on here does does well uh they work together with uh with dan jurgens for a long while and stuff but i think if you look at a lot of the if if you look at a lot of the other covers that i was talking about with a, at least even the punch theme guys either got a super he's he's either super bushy eyebrows and weird looking or he's got this strange uh stance uh anatomy is weird his boots are like you know way sticking out way far from his calves they're like over oversized or his collar is massive or it's the 90s he's way overly muscular um you know or he's got the he's got too severe of the bowl cuts or you know whatever you may look at here. I think the costume is well done. He's tone. He's not overly muscular. His boots are definitely big, but they're not like sticking off the sides of his calves. He, his costume is well put together. He's definitely got some nineties exaggeration here. Um, but it's not as over the top as most other examples from this era, because there are some examples from this era that look good, but they also could just be like, too cartoony like some of the ones you see especially from early on in just the guy gardener run when it's just guy gardener before it becomes guy gardener warrior some of those just look too cartoony um so there's uh there's lots of different criticisms i could levy at the various guy covers from this era and i think this is probably one of the best outings uh if this is clean this is really well done i think yes you know you could throw whatever you want here and there about the design choices for some of these costumes and stuff, but it's, it's just of the, it, it is what it is. It's of the era. So design of the cover and then just the cleanness of the lines and, and how kind of uncluttered this, uh, this cover is despite having so many characters. I think it's a really great example of a guy, a, in, in an early nineties guy cover. I will, I will agree with that. I think that it's, uh, and again, it's a Jurgens cover. So, and mm-hmm. so that's a, that's always a plus. Uh, maybe a slight negative because even though it's called Ju- Justice League America, it's pretty much Superman and the C team. But <laughs> but the, but but the reality is just the fact that in a book in a JLA book with the fact that guy guy Gardner's in the JLA and the fact that he's he's take literally front and center in the story and on the cover that that's that's that is cool onto itself. The uh, and it. And it does fit nicely into the history of of covers and stories with of heroes going. That's it. I quit and <laughs> throwing something away or walking <laughs> away or whatever. So, but and I do agree with you based on design, based on even some of the colors. It it is definitely a product of its age. So when we're looking at the uh, when we're looking at that time frame, it makes sense that this that to pick at least one cover that is kind of like uniquely more than anything else uniquely of its era i think that that was a that was a wise inclusion 
Yeah, you know, and I think of I think about it. I just I like this cover so much. I don't own it. I think I might actually go find this issue. But it made me think of, you know, you know, every every collector has got to consider it. The what's the collector ramification of getting this one thing? How long was Guy actually a part of the league in publication if I wanted to collect that run? Like I'm not expecting you to have an answer. Yeah, but trust like, me, because I, I don't because again <laughs> it's, because it's it's like what's that investment? How many how many am I going years? I know I'd have to cross titles because we got Justice League right. America and International, but like, <laughs> which is where honestly I th- I think of him more in you know in the International than I would the Justice League. But it's uh I don't know. It's probably could find out, but the reality is that yeah, it, you would. And would it really be worth the investment? Even even if, even if it was only like two years, would you really want or you need not want? Would you really need every issue just because Guy Gardner happens? Cause you, cause you know, cause you know the guy Gardner you're gonna get too. So <laughs> that's true. All right. So number fours. Number fours. So since we've, since my number one was the first issue of this series, then we might as well have the final issue of this era, I should say. I was correct. The first issue of the series might as well go with the the, the last issue in the era that we're talking about, which will be. Green Lantern number 50, Emerald Twilight part three, the Mark Bright, Romeo Tangal. So this is the famous cover with the big, it all ends here, which is a slogan I always kind of associated with Parallax anyway. But yeah, so this is the famous cover of him, Hal as Parallax, Sandscape, flying out of the, the blowing up, in process of blowing up Central Power Battery, but the big Green Lantern logo behind all of it. This was a glow in the dark cover, wasn't it? I think I think it was. I don't know. I thought it was. I, <laughs> I think my copy's embossed, but I think that probably means Yeah, it's, I, it's definitely embossed. For some reason I thought it was glow in the dark, but I could be I I could be wrong. It's because again, I didn't get it when it first I didn't get it when it first came out. I've had multiple copies of this, but they were all after the fact and somewhere in like like the box sets they used to sell like a Toys R Us and stuff that had all of Emerald Twilight and things like that or I was all Emerald Twilight and some Zero Hour and things like that. So, yeah, it's a nice bookend to Green Lantern number one. It obviously symbolizes completely the end. March, you know, this is March 1994, the cover date. The uh, this symbolizes the end of the Hal Jordan as Green Lantern era, which would pretty much be the end of the Hal Jordan as Green Lantern era until uh, 2005. So it was a long time, over over a decade before Hal came back as Green Lantern. And this sets the stage for the Kyle run and ends Emerald Twilight literally with a bang. And it's a pretty and this is also the cover that they use heavily. You know, this was what the artwork they use heavily to promote, you know, certainly the end, the end of Emerald Twilight. They didn't make they made no bones about you know what was happening even before maybe the, the average person necessarily automatically knew this was going to be the cover for 50. They were using this as a promo poster to kind of talk about the. uh well, what was coming? Because I have a, because I have a ver- a version. I have the poster. I have a poster of this that I was able able to get on eBay. So yeah, I so I think it's a cool cover, and it's kind of hard not to include this cover when you're, especially for me, when you're talking about this era. Yeah, I just kind of left Emerald Twilight untouched. I figured there's <laughs> no point. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, this I think we've talked about this cover at length before. Did did we mention it on one of the other episodes? No, we didn't. We couldn't have. No, uh, not, not of this, not a cover to cover, because we've only done Kyle and Alan. 
It might have just been in our talks about Emerald Twilight itself. Probably. Because I remember I remember spending significant time talking about the actual cover at one point on the show. Um, you know, just wherever that was, refer back for my comments, guys. But no, like, no, for real. Like, uh, it's a very active color cover. The I mean, uh all the 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 white freckles for the stars and stuff like that of the varying sizes and things like that. The green the Green Lantern symbol behind him um you know the exploding battery flying towards the reader it's very it's very busy but it's very eye-catching your eye goes where it needs to go um but it's also very cinematic it all ends here and you know things like that but also subtle touch the creator credits down at the bottom like that make it look like a trade dress or a movie poster more than anything um because, you know, usually they're kind of stacked and off to the side or, you know, maybe, you know, the artist's signature is hidden somewhere super obvious, you know, quote unquote hidden. Um, but despite being so busy, you know, I hate to use the word again because uh, I just use it just to describe my, this is all very clean despite the amount of detail layered on top of each other here. Um, so. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, I just think it's a really cool looking issue for sure. And then you add, you know, the actual visual elements that have to go with the actual printing of the comic we're talking about, glow in the dark embossed and stuff like that, and having to account for that in your design. Um, the fact that this cover still comes out looking that good, including in person when you actually hold the the physical copy in front of you, uh, that says something. It's a beautiful cover. The only thing that probably would have made it better would have been if he had a cape. But we know that was so (laughs) multiple issues months away from actually happening in continuity. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I also like that the Comics Code Authority is black. That's cool. I just noticed that. Um, This is I wonder, was were they doing just it's the DC Universe um, newsstand copy? Or wait, is this no, this is direct. So the 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 copy that didn't have the barcode. Yeah. Was it just saying DC Universe at the time? Was I don't I don't 100% remember it might it might have. I don't. Okay. No, but it's a great cover. Um so all right. So my number 4 uh is Green Lantern number 23. Uh this is a Pat Broderick cover period. Um and you can absolutely tell um, I don't know what's what's the what's the art technique where they just do a, a a bunch of dots. Oh God, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's a specific. Um, it's gonna drive me crazy. Pointillism? Yep, pointillism. Sorry, this is one of the few times I'll actually look up something on the air. <laughs> it was gonna drive me nuts. There's when you get uh sometimes you'll get Pat Broderick artwork. And it's still very recognizably his style, but he's doing a lot and he uses a lot of different kind of like almost pointillism type stuff for shading, uh, for coloration, for various different things. And he is going absolute ham on this cover. Uh, We're talking, you know, the star effect uh, for the background, much like we were kind of talking about with issue 50 for Mark's number four. Stars everywhere of varying sizes. Some of them are just dots. Some of them are actual stars with, you know, you know, a bunch of different points to them. We have kind of a nebula or smoke, whatever you want to call it, kind of floating through the background. Um, Then we have star sapphire, you know, clearly super angry and flying towards John. But 
she's wielding a freaking sword which is crackling with its own energy and by crackling i mean it literally because it looks like kirby crackle and because it's the 90s star sapphire has a fuck ton of hair (laughs) so it's just all floating behind her as part of this blob of star sapphire coming at the reader of all womanly fury flowing hair crackling sword hal is already knocked out on the ground uh on the quote-unquote ground we're in space uh and then you know clearly uh john is left to fend her off as he's you know we're only seeing kind of the upper portion of him uh kind of side profile as he flies towards her it says it's payback time and it's star sapphire versus john stewart it's all very action heavy but this is this this may be just artistically my favorite pat broderick cover of this era for green lantern but you know and i'll talk when i get to my number one about the kind of differences there but there is a kind of a distinction this just may be my favorite pat broderick green lantern cover there are other reasons my number one is the number one besides just the art but this is this is super detailed the only problem there are two problems i have here uh one is how his anatomy again a little off uh and also he seems to be lying flat on his back but in space which is a strange thing <laughs> also minor bit here though coloring um john's gloves shouldn't be the same color as his face and um his face looks more orange than black but i don't know if that's maybe like coloring due to you know space and also the fact that he's surrounded with a green aura so i i don't know but um the the coloring there and then that may be just maybe i i didn't go find my actual copy of this issue but that may just be my digitally enhanced version of this cover but yeah the coloring and how but those are such minor quibbles compared to all the details i just talked about the how part of this cover does bother me too i think that's kind of awkward and it's small which of course is supposed to be because john stewart is the focus so i get it uh something about the way john's pose to the way he's on again like you like you pointed out against with hal on the cover of issue one that something about the way john stewart's shoulder is related to his face and his arm both arms actually the way the way his head's positioned between his shoulder on one side and his and his right hand on the other side something about it again i understand it it's just something it looks a tad looks a tad awkward to me uh I did. This was a cover that certainly made my without going back and looking at my at my notes. I know it certainly made at least the top 10, if not the top eight with the, you know, the so-called honorable mentions. I thought about this also because of the relevance with Kat Matui and everything else for where Jon Stewart would want, you know, would want payback against Star Sapphire that it I thought about it. It, it is a cool cover. Again, in, in a way, it, it does really feel like it belongs in this run. There were so many covers that are not the same, but they're very similar. That kind of give off a similar vibe as this cover. So I I certainly understand why you know you you would pick it for multiple reasons. So it it is it is a cool cover, and yes, the sword and all the energy kind of like coming off of it, and and just the way the, the sword kind of illuminates or kind of like breaks up the back break up breaks up the black background of space and everything. I think that I think that's powerful. Yeah, and it's also it's the best of this. Look, when we talk about doing like arcs or whatever, covering arcs on the show, 
I don't know that you could necessarily call these three issues an uh, an official like titled story arc, but it's definitely the personally to me it's the best of the three sapphire covers, you know, cuz this is it's 22, 23 and 24, right? I think so. that's correct without going back and looking now. Yeah, this is the best of them, I think. So I I just I really enjoyed enjoy this one and I see what you're saying about John if you if you just get rid of his right arm mentally speaking his his anatomy and his pose looks kind of okay here um it's the, yeah definitely the kind of the positioning of the arm maybe his elbow needs to be bent more or something there's just it it almost looks like it's coming out of his right pec yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I see what you're talking about there for sure all right number threes number threes all right so number three for me as we start we reached them more than halfway point, technically, I guess. Number three for me is Green Lantern number 35, which is the conclusion of the third law storyline having taking place on Oa with Hal and the, what's what is uh, what exists of the Green Lantern Corps at the moment squaring off against entropy. And this is the Krona version, or I should say Krona, otherwise known as the this is the entropy version of Krona as he's attacking the central power battery on the on the cover. So this cover is a Mark Bright Romeo Tangal cover. It's it's I think the yellow from you know from the Citadel of the Guardians kind of like stands out along with it like the purplish red cape of Entropy. And Entropy always had a cool design. I think I think as a cover it stands out. I'd also it appeals to me also because as I mentioned I think several times in the show when it comes up not self-serving just when it comes up based on topic. That when I when I was fooling around and doing uh, Green Lantern uh, movie scripts, that the the second Green Lantern script that I wrote was a a variation on the Third Law storyline. With uh, it wasn't literally because this part this issue was how how basically the story was going to end with Entropy squaring up with Krona Entropy returning to Oa trying to get the central power battery. He was just allied with the Manhunters in my script. And but that so that's part of the reason why, because image wise, this is pretty powerful. Kind of reminds me of the anti-monitor, too, in some way, the entropy design. But I think that because of how the cover stands out, because of how this storyline, what happened in this issue inspired me. And like I said, the pure visual, like almost like cinematic aspects of this. I just really like this cover. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, I agree with you about the yellow. The yellow on the side makes a standout. I don't want to go as far as to claim the yellow makes me not like the cover, but it's something about like, it's not like the inclusion of yellow is the problem. It's just the, you know, maybe the fact that it borders like almost two whole sides of the comic. Maybe that's what's throwing me off. Obviously, entropy here is the the focus. Uh, the most amount of detail is associated to the character, um, you know, other than maybe you could say Hal. Um, but Hal barely, you know, he's his face for the most part, other than the kind of concaves of his cheeks and his maybe mask. He His face has no detail. Um, so it's definitely entropy here that's kind of that's that's meant to be the focus you know if you look at a blown up version of this comic uh online to kind of just really zoom in on the details the guardians have literally two dashes and a dot for <laughs> eyes and nose 
they're very very uh, uh sparsely drawn uh you could make out Kilowog here uh, if you zoom in you can make out john larvox um tomare um uh maybe is that creek kihan uh, to the left of tomare what, what was his name creon or i can't remember it's like uh, based based on the cover i think to the left of tomar yeah, to the, the left corner of the near Entropy's glove. I think that might be Creon. The version yeah. I'm the picture I'm looking at doesn't let me zoom in. So gotcha. I, I so I can't I can't get that. But I based on what I'm seeing, it kind of looks like that's who it would be. Yeah, um, and it's been a while since I've read the third law. I don't know who the if that's even supposed to be a lantern above the guardians right there. Um if 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 not a miscolored guardian because he's wearing robes uh so again though it's been a long time since i've read this this issue so yeah i can definitely see how this this would be a a, a favorite and enjoyable do you think though it has more to do with your enjoyment and fond familiarity with third law such that you i mean you said you you know kind of based the second script off of it you really enjoy this story do you think it's in your top because a it's a good cover but almost as important the, your memories associated with this story? Probably that fact. I, I mean, I think that I think that factors in, but I think realistically speaking, at least for me, for almost all the covers that I'm picking, there's some kind of emotional attachment to or on to at least a certain extent. So I think I think that's you know, I think it's um it's a fair concept, criticism or question to ask or to bring up. I think for me, like I said, every, everyone on this list has some kind of reason why i why it appeals to me i do and i'm trying to remember how far how deep into my collecting of volume three post emerald twilight this when the entropy storyline fell into my hands when i was able to get pick up so i but i thought but the cover did strike me so i'm not sure i actually don't remember how i bought these so i don't remember if like i saw this cover and i knew it was a multi-part story and that made me want to go back through and make sure i got all parts of the story I do think, but I do think there is an element of what the story has means to me as far as you know, influencing me. Not that I could even tell you everything that happens in the third law going forward, because it's like I said, I I basically focus in on the entropy part, but the but the beginning of it, like the prologue part, is so different than where we end up. But I think that's true. I do think that all everything on my list, I think everything on my list is. Uh, it has some kind of deeper attachment than just always oh, cute. Yeah. All right. Uh, number three. Okay. So my number three uh, is Justice League Europe number forty. This is a an interesting one to pick. I, I admit, but uh, there's a couple of reasons I I have it at number three. Um, one is, and let's just get it right out of the way. The art is clean, uh, much the way I pointed out um, with. Uh, with uh, the other, the Justice League America cover featuring Guy, um, the art is very clean uh, here. Um, I have some issues with the Flash's suit, but other than you know, that's just me uh, being me. It's a very clean cover, and this is one I see so often in like the cheap quarter bins, back issue bins, and stuff like that. This, first of all, Justice League Europe is not a series that people talk about a whole lot. And I'm not going to even try to pretend like I am a master 
of all comic book knowledge and know why that is. I didn't, I've, I fully admit I've maybe read three issues total of the series and not in, uh, issues that were published in succession. Um, but it's just not an era that people talk about very much. Um, and, and, uh, I, I don't know why, but I'm sure there's a reason for it. But when I think about this era of green lantern, and I see a cover of Hal with silver temples and the a cover screaming Hal's back while people carry him on their shoulders. I can't help but like compare that to the knowledge of what I know is coming for Hal and think of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, everything that happened with Hal and Emerald Twilight. We focus super hard on what he does to the core himself, to the Guardians, like all this stuff. And kind of afterwards, you know, we kind of start focusing on what he did to the what what those actions did to those very close to him, like Carol or or Tom or whomever. But it it's not like you don't think about it. It's like what what he did to the hero community or how they felt about him after that fact, which we kind of get a chance to deal with here and there throughout his his time as Parallax. But obviously we focus on it a little bit more during his funeral in the issue 81, much later on city one, right? Mm, yes, I believe that is correct. Yeah. So I just, I think about this image for some reason, when I think about all the stuff that happens in Emerald twilight and it just really personifies to me, the specific aspect of Hal Jordan that they, that the way other heroes feel about Hal because and, and and that's why I started talking about it as opposed to describing it first, because here we see Hal is 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 smiling and he's on the shoulders of his friends, Flash and Elongated Man. And then you kind of see the little I, I've always hated her costume design design, but the kind of sultry curiosity look on uh, on Crimson Fox's face there. But then like the concern or disdain in some cases, when you look at Power Girl's face and Aquaman's face and Dr. Light's face in the background. Uh, yes, there's a lot of white space, white space, which I'm not usually a fan of. And, you know, every now and then with something like this, I'll contradict myself. But um, Al is just drawn so well here and he's so happy and he's on a team. And, you know, this is published in 1992 uh, on July. So this is two years after issue one uh, of the series that we're talking about tonight, the March number five after that hit stands. So you kind of get the feeling that like <laughs> they were waiting to see how the success of green lantern proper goes before they start really injecting him into the rest of the DC community. It's like, Oh, the series is going pretty well. Okay. So we're going to start to see how here and here and here and here. So seeing him in Justice League Europe is is uh is there's another Hal cover with, from Justice League Europe or Europe I really like as well, but obviously didn't make the top five. But this one I just I carries a lot of weight with me because I know I know like the people who drew this didn't you know probably and it was uh Ron Randall by the way uh, Ron Randall you know obviously didn't know what's coming a couple of years later to Hal, but there's such a sense of foreboding here that obviously wasn't intended. That is just, it, it just, it's, it's a really interesting era for me. Um, Cause it's one thing to be like reading volume three of green lantern, knowing that Emerald twilight is coming. It's another to see how 
succeed in his own series and then also be so successful in his own series that DC decides to start injecting him back as a supporting character here and here and here and here only only for what happens in Emerald Twilight to to happen. So he's letting down a lot of people. And I see I see that in this. And and Ron Randall, by the way, I'm not necessarily I wasn't necessarily familiar with him. Uh, so I pulled him up. Uh, his stuff seems familiar to me, but that's just because I keep seeing it in back issue bins uh, for things like Eric, Son of Thunder and old Doom Patrol issues and Warlord issues uh, and things like that. So he's got a very specific kind of uh, detailed type of style. And I just I really like this. It's unique. It. In a way, it seems. I mean, I think we've gotten some, we've gotten covers, comic book covers of people being carried off and things like that before. I, I remember the cover of the, of the Hulk circa. Oh God, it had to be in it. It had to be somewhere. I think it was in the two seventies because it was. It was right after the Smart Hulk. It was right after Ban- Banner came back and became the Smart Hulk, and then I think uh, when um. He had been granted amnesty by all the heroes, and I think like there's, a, there's I think the cover is like all the all the like all the Marvel heroes like carrying the Hulk on their shoulders and things. So I don't think so. That's just one example. I think there's been other examples like this. In a way, it seems really weird. I mean, it seems weird to her, uh, to be carrying Hal like that in general, but it it does take on more meaning, like you said, because of the fact that little did anybody know at this point what was what was coming down the road, and of course, if if we had gotten the original version of Emerald Twilight, it wouldn't have it's it still wouldn't have come down the road the same way. Uh, <laughs> so you know, how wouldn't be a, really wouldn't be a bad guy under that scenario that the reality is wouldn't even be questionable whether he's a bad guy. He would be straightforward, just going off being going off on his own. So I I mean, again, this has a little bit of the problem I had with the guy Gardner cover in the sense that, again, it's like. You have a, you have a lot of it's the, it's Hal maybe that you have you include the Flash here which would obviously would have to be Wally and it's the C team I mean Aquaman is you know B is maybe B tier but everybody else is clearly like kind of like a, especially when you add in the costume factor that you're talking about C tier characters for the most part here and 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 like a C tier title too to be honest much at least the other one was an actual Justice League America title this is Justice League Europe I mean. Like what? What was next that they didn't? They didn't like delve into Justice League Sheboygan. That was about about the the only thing. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, but I it Hal looks cool, and that's the important thing here. And he, and you're right, he looks happy. And I guess knowing, looking ahead with the benefit of hindsight, it's kind of it, it maybe it pulls out your heartstrings maybe a little bit more than it normally would have if if they had not like uh if things had. Had not taken a left turn in Albuquerque. Yeah, I've uh, uh, unlike the the jail uh, the JLA issue where I was like, should I collect the appearances of Guy? I've actually considered and kind of started tracking uh, some of the issues of 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 Hal in, uh, in 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 being involved in Justice League Europe, which then I think with because I'm clicking through the covers right now, I think uh, with issue 51 it becomes Justice League International again. Um, but I think maybe Hal's involved in this team for maybe 20 issues and nobody cares about Justice League Europe slash international when it becomes that version of Justice League International. 
that I could probably easily get all of these issues for in decent condition for like a dollar a piece. And that's what, 20 bucks. So, you know, that's not bad. Um, I, I was always curious about this, this era because it's, it's pretty long run for how, in terms of being a featured member of a team for, uh, any length of time. That's true too. All right. Number twos. Number two. So for me, Green Lantern number 46, which is the reign of the Superman crossover. Doomsday for GL. Kind of another, another foreshadowing of the horizon as a cover. This is pretty, this is pretty cool because you have Mongol punching Hal over Engine City, which of course is in the remnants of Coast City. And you have the erroneous aspect of this cover, which still is cool because it appeals to me too. When you have the Eradicator, last son of Krypton, Superman duking it out with with Cyborg Superman, which kind of gave you the impression if you hadn't if you hadn't been following the reign of the Superman, or maybe even if you had and you didn't realize that this is essentially kind of giving you another view of what's another view of what's happening essentially in what Superman eighty two, just from from the how like the other side of the room uh, that you would think, hey, well. Well, technically, the Eradicator did show up at the end of that arc, but just not not looking like this. So, as a cover, I think it's cool. This was a big a big tie in for Reign of the for Reign of the Superman, which is the only reason, of course, as we've talked about multiple times on the show, the only reason. And this is a Mark Bright, Romeo Tungal, Anthony Tallon cover. That this is the only reason I got this issue because I was so into Reign of the Superman that I, I you know I, I had to get this, even though it really doesn't have that. Like I said, it has nothing to really it's nothing critical to do with the storyline. If you don't read this, you don't you don't miss anything. It just gives you like, again, it's like almost like a it's like a Jeff Con thing. It's like it shows you what was going on in the other room. Well, like watching a Saw movie. It's like, well, this is what's going, what was going on at the same time as this. You just didn't realize it until now. But because of the importance of the story and because it kind of like kind of refreshed my memory of Green Lantern as a character, it set the stage for me jumping on board. Short in in the near future with Green Lantern 51. So those are the main reasons for this. I don't have much to say about this particular one because it's uh, its importance kind of exceeds its uh, exceeds its uh, artistic capability or whatever, which isn't to say that there's there's, you know, a lot to nitpick here. Obviously, uh, I think personally speaking, I think they went a little ink heavy on Cyborg Superman and and the Eradicator because yes they're further back so they should be less they should be more distorted to the viewer but they just they seem so blocky and sketched out uh in 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 a sense that like I wish there was more detail despite them being further away um and it looks like the inks being maybe not maybe not done quite as heavily would have given us more detail without actually having to draw more lines um but otherwise i think that's my really my only complaint about it um the the doomsday for gl is interesting since doomsday is nowhere to be seen here but obviously that's a trigger word uh, at this at this point in publication history um so tying it into that story i mean it's already tied into the story with the reign of the superman banner across the top but still i don't know uh i i like that they're kind of fighting on top of this port slash reactor thing with mongol but um i don't know like i remember being in it was in this issue right where like they're actually inside of the buildings and 
fighting each other and Hal's got his arm in a sling. Yeah, because he breaks his he breaks his arm while he's fighting Mongol. Yeah, right, right. So like I think I don't know, like I I, I like there was so much cool tech and stuff inside that like all we're seeing is kind of is kind of just kind of the cityscape in the background and then I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I would change about this, but um it it's definitely one of those, you know, iconic covers from this time and you know, the fact that it's tied in with such an important moment in Superman history too is was always such a cool thing. Number two. Number two. All right. Uh my number two is going to a uh, this is probably my biggest cheat of the episode uh but in terms of something that was published uh during this time period by DC Comics uh that was available for you to purchase at your local comic shop uh I am going with uh Who's Who in the DC Universe number 3 um this is a uh loose leaf format of Who's Who uh it was pre-hole punched and and um and wrapped in plastic uh and sold together so you can kind of kind of stick these uh each of these in a binder as as they came out but this is a pat broderick cover featuring hal just flying through space uh you can kind of track his trajectory through space as he dodges around different planets and moons and asteroids and and energy waves and stuff like that um it's just it's obviously it's a who's who so it's got a lot of a lot of names off to the side you know to uh for the different entries within the book but but Hal gets the cover again Pat Broderick in a very obvious Pat Broderick uh art style he's got more of a mullet he looks a little bit older a little bit more serious it's interesting that he's got his constructs uh, the 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 kind of trail line of his energy as he flies through this cover is very sharp and yet the energy around his arms and kind of his wingspan is kind of melting off of him as he flies through space. Um, I don't know. I just, I really like this one. Um, the, you know, the, the, the gravitational pull logistics and physics behind the planets in the background aside, <laughs> um, I think this is just a really cool cover. Um, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've seen it before, but it's, it's such a weird kind of one-off example of this era that I probably pushed this image aside in my head a thousand times that it looks new to me each time I see it, but it's such a one-off random entry. And for being such a kind of, you know, forgettable part of publication history, these loose leaf who's who updates, this is a pretty damn good cover. (laughs) As soon as you said most of your, most of your titles. We're not coming from the actual Green Lantern book. And we were looking through the publication range. It's like, I knew you. I, don't tell me. Don't ask me why. But I knew. You. I mean, it's a good cover. So that's part of the reason. But I, I had a feeling that you were picking this cover. It's uh maybe because in a way it's it's cool because Hal being spotlighted on a. Which, you know, was not a big deal. I mean, was not a common factor or common occurrence during this time frame, as you, as you have been mentioned about throwing them on a cover of another book, because Green Lantern was, they had just brought Green Lantern back after a, a healthy absence to relaunch this book. So to have, so to try to feature Hal on a, in a magazine, which isn't even about Green Lantern, but just basically is like a, almost like an, an encyclopedia kind of thing, going through characters and giving and breaking them down. That it kind of was a big step to do that, to, to do that with Hal and, I agree. I I think Hal looks really cool on this cover. I think it's 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 a nice cover. 
I think the the planets being so bland behind him kind of takes away a little bit of it, I think. But your focus is so much on Hal and between the who's who uh, title that I think it's not it's not supposed to be a major focal point of where your eyes are drawn. So I don't think it's it's not as it's as big a deal. And like you said, your eyes are going to be drawn to Hal and kind of like the green energy, like bleeding almost off of him that I think. Uh, and it's a, and it's a cool choice. And also with, you know, with the with the banner and listing of the characters they're going to be talking about, like in in green on the left. Jade's one of them, right? It looks like I'm yep, trying to Jade's read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think so. I think that's uh, I think that's the new guardians. That is true. And that's. Well, one of the countless groups of people that have been called New Guardians over the mm-hmm. time. Not the not the not the group that most people would think of anymore. It's like a rock band that just keeps changing, changing all their members. Uh, it's a cover band. So no, I like it. I, I I think that was a I think that was a good good choice. See, I'm looking at the list of characters off the left. It's like who else would they pick for the cover? And but now I'm thinking about a <laughs> about a uh, Pat Broderick. Full detail dead man cover. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, on to number ones. Yes, on to number one. And there really wasn't much doubt, certainly for me, which which had to be number one. Uh, it's been, considering it is literally one of the most well known and famous Green Lantern covers ever. And again, it is a something you alluded to not so cryptically, unfortunately, before about a cover that it gets that. The artist in question has done a ton of versions and not just, and to be fair, not just the artist in question, artists are all over comic dumb have done uh, variations on this cover with one character or uh, or another doing something similar. So this is, of course, Green Lantern, volume three, number 49, February 1994, by the legendary great Daryl Banks and Romeo Tungal. This is, of course, the, the infamous, famous Hal Jordan looking crazy. Both hands raised with power rings dripping, hanging off of every, all his fingers. So this is part two of Emerald Twilight as he's going back to Oa and building up all his, where he builds up his his ring collection as he plans as he gets ready to meet his eventual fate. It's just a fantastic cover across the board. It's just you can make a case that maybe there's too much green space as you would label behind Hal. And along with the black, with the black bubbles around his energy, but the fact that Hal is just literally basking in the glow of all this power, and he looks so unbalanced, and all all those rings, including it's, it's cool, it's kind of cool that even though while most of the rings are squared off, that uh, he still has the ra- he still has the round ring on his finger. It would have been cool to have maybe a few more variations on the rings it kind of maybe doesn't but not that there were that many at the time designs but nonetheless that's uh that's i don't even know if that's really a nitpick but i just when you when you look at it you kind of you kind of think of that but i this is just a fantastic cover and it kind of and it's it's one of those green lantern covers you always think of when you think of anything to do with green lantern and pretty much in the last 30 or 40 years and it's Daryl, so how could you not have a Daryl Banks cover on this list, regardless of the fact that he didn't do many covers in this era? Still, it deserves to be number one. Um, this is an iconic cover. Uh, I, I apologize, I alluded to it too soon earlier. It's all right. I could always cut it out and cut this out too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's clean lines. Uh, to to come back to that um that observe that observation about some of these covers tonight, clean lines. Uh, I 
Speaking, you know, you speak of the green space. Another thing I don't like sometimes is a wasted. What do they call them? Do they call them sculpture shots? Like where it's just chest and head. Oh, but maybe more bust. Could it be bust? bust. Yes. There you go. Uh, I sometimes a bust cover seems very lazy or poorly posed or, well, you know, you know, we could have done something else here type of thing, or it's, it's too close to the face and not enough of the actual bust or, you know, whatever. This is a, this is as near perfect a cover as you can get. Probably the lines are clean, the shading and the coloring for the shadows and the direction that the light is likely coming from the Kirby crackle and, and kind of bubble design in the background. Uh, his ray. I mean, like for, forget the shadow on his face. Look at the shadows on his fingers based on the pose of where his individual fingers are and where other fingers would fall in front front of the finger before it in relation to the light source. Some being more shaded, some being less, depending on where the finger is bent. Um, that's just really freaking cool. Um, the way his hair sweeps, the look on his eyes, uh, uh, you know, his grin and stuff like that. It's no wonder that one of the many times this cover has been uh, aped and reproduced in various different ways was for a Joker issue, which actually Daryl himself actually did. Did you ever get that cover, by the way? Oh, no, I don't actually have that cover. I I, I definitely did pick that up. Daryl Daryl himself did a, a cover for one of the recent DC Joker series, a variant cover. Um, and it wasn't like an issue one. It was like some random issue of Joker. Uh, but it was a version of this, but featuring the Joker. And you look at Hal's face. <laughs> this belongs as this. If anything, this belongs to be <laughs> aped in a Joker uh, system. It's it's faded. But no, I, this is this is great. You know, the different sizes and shapes of the rings. Yes, they'll have same, the same design, but you notice that some of them were more like, you know, like when you take a gummy bear between your fingers and you squish it a little bit, <laughs> like some of these. Grigios. Yeah, they are. I mean, they, they yeah, I, they are. Absolutely. They're not. They're all not all symmetrical. Some are some are like the ch- some are like the chunk rings and some are a little more. You're right. Some are more squishy, more elongated. Plus, you get to see some of the sides of the rings that the texture is different. Yeah. On. And that's what I was about to say. So uh, so that would be Hal's left hand. Hal's left hand, middle finger, knuckle, uh, bottom knuckle. There's like those ridges on the band there. Yep. Uh, and then if you look on his other middle finger, the top ring, yep. it has lines that sort of follow the design of the cut on the top. Whereas on his right hand, the pointer finger, the tip, that one just has a standard band connected to it. Uh, so you can definitely see the different designs, not just, you know, uh, the most obvious one being the, the circle ring that you mentioned earlier. But if you pay close attention, you're seeing different design choices and elements and sizing and dimensions on each one of these rings. That is true. Um, so like my my only complaint, if you can even call it a complaint, this is a such a big nitpick. Do his ears look a little big to you? Again, it could be the shadowing, but you are. Yeah. yeah but what's, what's also really interesting about this cover, knowing everything we know now, too, is the fact that. Because of because of the shadows and because of the because of the shadowing and because of the glow of the green that his white temples, which are obviously extremely important to what's going on here, are completely not even, they're not visible at all. But yet it still seems like it's 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 perfect. It's perfect for that. And yeah, so when we think of all the different, there's so many different versions of this cover. We obviously got a a a aping of this in what the Sinestro Core War when Hal had all the yellow rings on. 
we have we have that great Marvin the Martian cover during the yeah, <laughs> during the uh, Venditti run, which is basically the Marvin version of this uh, with all the rings on. And of course, I ha- among other different versions of this, I have the you know I have my own customized uh, Daryl Banks as I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the Saint Walker. Yes. No, yeah. that I didn't draw a blank on. I'm thinking of the, the uh, commission. That's the word I couldn't friggin' pull out. Oh, of gotcha. You know what? Yes, the Saint Walker version of this with uh, all blue rings, which luckily enough, yes, Saint Walker does now look nearly as nuts with all that. That was kind of a mutual, I think, choice by both of us that we have. To, that Saint Walker has to at least look. He can't look entirely happy, but he can't. But we. But it probably wouldn't be appropriate for, for him look quite as unbalanced with all the blue rings <laughs> but yes the saint walker version of this that i have in, in my bedroom is, pre- is pretty damn cool too so and, and you probably looked i don't really remember what the, what what comic this is for do you know what that santa claus version of this that's coming out later on this year do you know what comic that's supposed to be for but there's a oh, version of, there's a santa claus cover with all these weird rings on it i just don't know what book it was for but i did see the, i did see it like in the solicits or whatever it's like so so the ape, so the aping and homaging to this cover continues to this, you know, besides Daryl doing his own commissions and doing all his own versions of this. But yeah, so this is, this had to be number one for me. And yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. This, this cover has, uh, is, is well deserving of its place in being recreated in thousands of different examples uh probably at this point i'm just throwing out a number there um but even i myself have played with the idea of doing this uh, i think a i think a kyle rayner cover of this like during the new guardians run a variant of that where he was you know he was literally collecting all the rings how come we didn't do that <laughs> would be would have been crazy so getting daryl to do that would be cool <laughs> especially because i'm getting i would be getting not just a daryl commission and not just something referencing the multiple cores, which I also enjoy, but I would be getting Daryl to draw Kyle. <laughs> so that is true. That is true. We'd have we'd have to go look. We'd have to go look at the solicits, which we won't be bothering to do now. But that's so, somewhere in there. I know I saw a solicit for something which looked like it was Santa Claus, and, he, and it definitely was homaging forty forty nine because he had all these. But unless I'm wrong and it's not Santa Claus, but it's obviously it looks like Santa Claus, certainly. And it, and it was it was an homage to this cover. There's no doubt about that. Well, through so, the magic of editing, we will have the answer here shortly <laughs> or, or or not. <laughs> so due to the due to the beauty and the magic of research and needing needing <laughs> needing a gap between Zoom segments anyway. That the answer, ironically, the answer to the question of what what is that Santa Claus Green Lantern forty nine homage cover for? It's a variant cover for Green Lantern number four <laughs> coming out and just that that's kind of funny. I because I didn't I didn't even think twice about it not being a Green. I figured it wasn't even going to be a Green Lantern cover. I thought it was just going to be of uh, some kind of. It makes sense because and, and it's funny, of course, because of the fact that they have. Uh, Everything hanging off his fingers are not actually all rings. They have candy canes and jingle be- and bells. And it does kind of bother me, though, that they have like a Wonder Woman logo and, of course, a Batman logo and things like that on on the ones that are actual rings. But, but it looks like they're rings. It could be they're ornaments. So actually, it looks like they're ornaments, but but still. Yeah, uh, it's a so Jeff Spokes. Is that his name? Jeff Spokes I, cover? I believe that is correct. Uh, it sucks that we 
they didn't get Daryl to do it, but Daryl can't do all of them just because Daryl did the original. So I'm sure Daryl also enjoys people seeing other artists do kind of his thing. Um, that's probably fun for him. And of course, there's the Green Arrow number seven variant that's got the 76 homage of Green Arrow shooting an arrow through Santa's gift of uh, sack gift, whatever the hell that is. Sack gift. What am I saying? Right through his sack. What are yeah, you talking about? <laughs> the homage to Green Lantern 76, which is also an often homage cover um, from from the Green Lantern uh, publication series. But anyways, my number one is Green Lantern number six. Uh, this one is Captives of the Mad God. And this is a, a Pat Broderick, Pat Broderick cover. Uh, and there's a there's a reason I said earlier that that the uh, Green Lantern 23 was my uh, was my fourth pick, um, uh, but it was my favorite Pat Broderick cover in terms of art. This is a great artistic outing. Don't get me wrong. This we've got uh, the city, uh, a city in the background. Very intricate design. We've got the power battery, but it's clearly damaged and cracked, and the the handle is all bent and twisted. And we see John Stewart in the forefront with Hal and Guy on either side of him behind him, uh, being trapped in a stasis field, uh, very kind of rigid, and uh, hovering off the ground in front of a guardian in a jumpsuit of some kind. Great art. We got uh, these. These. This is a big era for all three of these men, uh, and you can uh, you can see it. You know, as much as you know, when you think of the era, as when you see the costumes that they're wearing. Um, so, and the fact that it's Pat Broderick art and all that. So, visually, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, visually, when you look at this cover, you can just kind of picture the era each of these these individual guys are are in, and what comes next for them. The sweeping clouds in the background and everything, artistically great. This is the follow-up, the epilogue, if you will, to Green Lantern, Green Arrow by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Uh, and then, you know, some after Neil Adams left, but mostly that era. Because before there was Ganthet, there was Appa Ali Apsa. And before we knew him as Appa Ali Apsa, we knew him as the old-timer. And this is the end of the old timer. And this is, I love this story. It's been, a, you know, it's actually been a while since I've read this story. I need to go back and read it again. Um, but this is the story that, that ends our time with the old timer, uh, pun intended, I guess. But it also kicks off a new era for Green Lantern, not only in this series and what comes next for Hal and company and stuff like that, but also for John, because we get mosaic out of this. This is, you know, the the, you know, captives of the mad God. This is old timer Appa Ali Opsa goes crazy and he starts ripping cities from across the universe and building this patchwork planet on Oa and the the towns from Earth that he's stealing are the towns that he visited with Ollie and Hal. And I don't know about the alien planets, uh, where those cities came from. And I know Appa did some traveling of his own after his time with Hal and Ollie. So if I remember right, I think those came from his, those visits of his, but definitely the towns from earth came from his travels during the hard traveling heroes era with Ollie and Hal. Was it cool to see, you know, Appa go mad? And I mean, it was poorly written maybe in some places in terms of his motives, but I mean, he quite literally went mad 
So to apply reason to that is is probably asinine. But I I just I love I love this cover. I and uh, and and almost as much as I like the cover, I like what it signifies. I know because of who wrote this, it's at the very least not anytime soon are we going to see this collected. Um, but if we ever see this story arc collected, this kind of epilogue, the Mad God saga here with Appa, if we ever have this collected, this is the cover of the trade that I want to see. Um, because uh, I, there are a lot of cool covers from featuring Appa and his conflict with the with the Green Lanterns here, but this is the one I really like. This was not the one in particular that was a runner-up for me of my top five, but they're definitely worse. There was at least one, if not more, of the covers in this arc that I did think about. And again, not just because of the not just because of the artistic quality of the covers, but because of the arc. And this arc is important in for Green Lanterns. It's very important in this, in this book and the way this book starts. And yeah, it kind of goes off the rails literally, but so did arguably so did the book, but it, it doesn't really have much of an impact, you know, as, as it moves on, but it it's sets the tone. This whole story to set the tone for what this book is about, at least maybe probably for at least like the first, 20 issues or so besides obviously like you said paving the way for mosaic and obviously opsa ollie uh, ollie opsa i should say uh i'm being yoda for a moment uh that he's an important character he beyond even the green arrow run but he is an important character and he's also an important character because he's because he's a character that they haven't brought back from the dead yet which which long before there was Kind of some kind of cancel culture reason to arguably never think about it. It's still shocking that he's never come back. Remember back during uh, Brightest Day when it was pretty much when pretty much we when we saw the the, the shrouded fig, figure in Guardian yep. and Height and and in the tapestries and everything else and the bandages and pretty much he knew all the money was on one and two characters. If it wasn't going to be Krona, it had to be Ollie. Aliopsa, and it still probably would have made more sense in a way. To be oh, I, I I distinctly remember being on those episodes and fighting for it to be Appa Aliopsa. Appa Aliopsa. <laughs> yeah, it would make sense, and considering what John's and John what what John's did in a way, it would have made sense. Obviously, we know he's got a big thing for Krona too, but it, it it remains a character which at some point we know will be revisited because it's the fact that it's important to Green Lantern. Lore and Lord knows we've seen enough Greenland, enough Guardians die and come back in, in well, some way, shape, or form. It's sometimes not even really explained how some of these characters come back. That the odds are he, you know, he will be, he will be back somehow. But it's so I did seriously think about one of the covers from this run. This is a cool cover. This was one I, I think I briefly thought about because of the fact that you do see, you do see all of them. You see all of the the way they're being held in stasis and yes, the central power battery is all damaged. And even though you only see the back of the guardian and everything, in a way that makes it more powerful because you don't, you don't even get a side view. So I do like this cover very much actually. Yeah, it definitely should be the trade cover. I think if this is ever collected, Um, at least if, if it's collected in terms of it just being like this story that's collected, I love it. It's uh it's, 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 a, it's a great thing. And I, 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 it's you know you you're a hundred percent right in terms of importance, but like for for all the reasons you said, but also because like I mentioned before, there was Gant that there was Apa Aliopsa slash Old Timer. In terms of Guardians, who we knew 
and knew personally and had an, like, you know, direct and, and successive interactions with as a named individual and not one of a dozen clone looking creatures who never got a name. He was our first, one of our first guardians to, to kind of focus on. And then they, you know, that was, that was the seventies and everything like that. And, and then here in the nineties, we see him again and continue his story, maybe in a way you don't want, but you see him. And then literally it's, this is, this is cover date in November, 1990, literally what it's slightly less. It's a little less than two years later, we get Ganthet's tale and we get introduced to a new guardian by name. That's true. Uh, I, I'm to me in a way, I think of, Maybe I think of issue seven's cover a little bit more than than this one, but I would agree if you're gonna if you're probably if you're gonna do a tra- if you're gonna do a trade, it's either got to be the it's got to be this one or maybe it's got to be eight because eight would be a powerful cover too. Um, yeah. I don't think it's as I think the 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 faces of of especially guy the faces of those characters kind of look a little off on that cover, but it's a powerful cover. And if you kind of get the complete opposite here, cause you see Aliopsa and you see him, uh, sta- standing tall, almost literally and being and victorious over the guardian. So I think that, so one of those so two the, covers. Good. So the reason I wouldn't pick eight actually is because it, it's kind of a spoiler in terms of the guardians showing up. Cause they don't show up to help the guys take on Appa until later in the story. So that having it having the cover for a trade dress of this be number eight, I, I agree with you artistically in terms of how well it's done, what it conveys about the story, blah blah blah. But it's a bit of a spoiler to have the guardians there. That's true, and that's and that is something I did think about even when I'm looking at seven, because seven is uh seven is which is odd because you would think in a way seven would be the cover of eight. Because yeah, of the fact true. that because of the how because you're wrapping up the story in eight, so you would think you'd want, but. It's yeah, because it's but it's it, in a way it's odd anyway because you don't you wouldn't but maybe that's why they did it because you don't want to telegraph what's going to happen in this issue you would think oh it telegraphs that the good guys are going to win and of course the story doesn't even end in this issue but the, but that also cover seven also has the guardians showing up on the cover and that one too so I guess on that level yes if you want if you want to keep if you want to keep the mystery then yes your cover your cover keeps them the guardians off of that completely. Plus, and again, because it's a view from his, from behind that you may not even, you know, if you're not a diehard Green Lantern fan, you might not even put two and two together right away that, it, oh, that's a, that's a Guardian. Yeah. No, not uh, so uh, this this issue was no uh, cover dated November 1990. Ganthus Tale is cover dated 92. Exactly two years later. <laughs> exactly two years later, we get introduced to Ganthet. <laughs> that's cool. Yes, it is a it is cool little symmetry there. All right. Uh, anything else that we want to talk about tonight before we wrap things up here? No, I think I'm going to say no. All right. Sounds good. Well, if people want to reach out and let us know um, what their top picks for this era may- might be, or if they want to, I don't know, actually see the covers we're talking about tonight, how do they do so? Clearly Stitcher, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Podbean. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to say that without laughing. Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Rest <laughs> in peace, Stitcher. 
Whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.